TraceLink's Kate Hare interviews Roddy Martin about his groundbreaking work on the five stages of supply chain transformation, right now on the Patient German Supply Network podcast. Welcome, my name is Kate Hare, and I'm Vice President of Customer Success here at TraceLink. And today I have with me Roddy Martin, who's the digital strategist here at TraceLink. Welcome, Roddy. Thank you very much, Kate, and it's a pleasure to be on this webinar with you. Great, and I'd love to ask you a few questions today. So the first question is, you know, would you describe the five stages of the transformation journey for us today? Sure, and, I, and I'll give you a little bit of context on the five-stage model as well. I mean, this is a, this is a, it's a very exciting effort that started probably 10 years ago and has really matured and come into kind of uh, into reality, I would say, in the last year to two years. And it's especially true for us uh, at Tracelink in the role we're playing in digitally transforming supply chains. So first of all, you know, it's a five-stage model. And it was developed originally by myself when we started at AMR Research, and we were trying to categorize the stage of maturities that companies were at as they moved from, you know, totally inwardly focused reactive supply chains to end-to-end -end supply networks. Exactly the kind of transition that we are um, advocating at Tracelink. And so the five stages, and by the way, the background of this is the Carnegie Mellon five-stage model that they developed many, many years ago around systems maturity. But I've adapted it over the years and improved to reflect supply chain stages of maturity. So let me very quickly just sketch out the five stages. So stage one is reactive. So in other words, if I'm a manufacturer, I had no idea there was a problem coming down the line at me and it just hit me. So it could be a shortage of product. It could be a supplier failure. It could be a logistics failure. I didn't know what was coming. I had no idea. It completely blindsided me. And so therefore, I have to react and solve the problem. And you find that many of the pharmaceutical companies and the contract manufacturers are in that sort of stage one react mode. Stage two is the project improvement stage of maturity. In other words, I now have enough of these events that I see, you know, why is it that I'm getting all these quality events that are disrupting the supply chain? So I initiate a big, you know, integrated quality management project. But the problem is, as you realize, stage one reacting stage two projects are still very siloed and they're not necessarily connected. So I can have multiple projects doing improvement efforts uh, around quality, around serialization, around inventory, around visibility, but not necessarily have them connected. And so, you know, what happens is one project may impact another project and vice versa, and, and you don't really realize that's happening. Stage three is function excellence. So enough of these projects around, let's pick on quality or compliance. Enough of these projects are, um, are in play to say, look, we're really focused on an integrated quality management strategy for the organization or an integrated logistics strategy or integrated compliance strategy, which means that all these projects are now focused on you know, one function, functional excellence capability. Now, here's the key is that stages one, two, and three are very disconnected. They're siloed. They're not necessarily obviously connected. 
And so, um, and they're very systems driven. So you'll find in projects, companies will implement a system or in stage three, a company will implement an ERP system. And, and it's very hard for them to get over to stage four, which is for the first time where a company looks end to end at its, at its processes from the customer, in our case, the patient, all the way back to supply. And so what you find is that transition from stage three to stage four is really hard for a lot of companies, especially when you've spent, you know, hundreds of millions or a billion dollars and more on an ERP system. And you really think inside out, you think about forecasts and you think about, you know, capacity planning and driving product to the customer. And then stage five is classically where we are trying to take companies in the tracelink scenario where we've got the DNP Opus platform, which is networks where all the partners are connected to a network. They've got cell and gene therapy, and really it's a completely different ecosystem of healthcare. So why is this important? It's important because if you are talking to an executive or if you are right, drawing up a strategy, it's important to know where you are on that journey. Because your language, your messaging, your goals and responsibilities that you're setting up really should match those capabilities, the state of capabilities you're in. So it's important as a, a level of maturity diagnostic. So let me, let me stop at that because I'm sure you've got lots of other questions to ask me. Great. Well, thank you. And, and you mentioned that it's very difficult for customers to move from stage four to stage five. Are there certain solutions that could really help with that stage, moving to that stage? Absolutely, yes. So, so I would say, you know, the one, there are two really difficult transitions. The one is to go from stage three to stage four, because you're going from a heavily ERP-centric world to an end-to-end -end process world where ERP is really the the sort of the back office system that integrates the enterprise. And then stage four to stage five, which is going from an end-to-end -end supply chain, as in healthcare, to a networked partner supply chain like we have in, in the DNP Opus platform. So let's talk about the first stage. The first stage is really hard because businesses really sold the idea that ERP was the be and end all of the way they operate. But the problem is we all know that an ERP is, is really based on a forecast and it doesn't have accurate demand visibility. It can't continually and flexibly, dynamically flex as demand uh, uh, changes. And we've seen that in the pandemic, right? I mean, companies had a plan and it's really hard to change that plan. So leadership needs to change the mental model. And, and the first change in the mental model is where the uh, the Opus DNP platform from Tracelink is a really powerful enabler and it's part of the value proposition because instead of now everybody integrating to everybody else and sharing data, we're now connecting everybody to one common platform and sharing data with each other. And visibility is now not as big an issue as, well, I can't see from my ERP system two stages downstream at my you know, retail pharmacies because I have no visibility of their inventory whatsoever. Whereas if everybody like the retail pharmacy is connected to the manufacturer and we're all on the same DNP platform and we're seeing inventory levels around the network, it's much easier. So, so I would say that 
certainly the move. I mean, just look what Amazon has done to, um, you know, to shoppers, right? I mean, how easy is it for you to go on Amazon, find what's available, make your purchase, they got your credit card, and within 10 minutes, you got an email saying it's on its way, or it'll be at with you in, in, you know, a couple of weeks time. And you can expect the healthcare model to look like that in the future. So, Whilst these platforms like the digital network platform, Opus, our AWS platform at Tracelink, is technology, it's not a technology solution in the same vein as ERP. So, so I think the first thing is you have to understand the capabilities of your business around your ERP system. And, you know, the whole point of the Agile Credo is how do you build the agility, the resilience, and the reliability to be agile in your own environment so you can connect to the network and be agile to all the other partners on the network. So in that case, your own uh, um, uh, architecture of ERP and manufacturing and quality and compliance and serialization needs to be integrated. And then as you integrate into the platform environment with Opus, uh, you're obviously on the platform with all the other partners that are part of the network. So yes, there are very distinct technology enablers. And that's why you know Agile is all about people, process, technology, and leadership. You can't be agile by just addressing the technology piece or the people piece or the process piece or the leadership all in isolation. Great. Well, and, and Roddy, you mentioned uh, the end-to-end, -end, uh, having visibility into the end-to-end -end supply chain. Could you talk a little bit about the end-to-end patient-driven value network and why it's important for customers to have that visibility? Sure. And I think that's an excellent question because, you know, Procter & Gamble coined the expression, the consumer-driven supply network, because they flipped their whole business operating model to focus on availability at the shelf. And the CEO coined the moment of truth about, you know, Procter & Gamble. If you say the product's available, then when a shopper walks in and buys, it's available. We're doing exactly the same thing. We're saying to to patients, whether it's in the traditional pharmaceutical model, whether it's in generics or whether it's in cell and gene therapy, the patient is the center of the supply chain. And so even though you might have a contract manufacturer or a manufacturer who doesn't deal directly with patients, they ultimately are serving the next downstream partner as a supplier because that next downstream partner is serving their next downstream partner as a supplier. And end-to-end, -end, all of these are there because they are, are, are patient-centric. They're making sure that the patient gets whatever the patient needs on time in full and not, you know, as I and many of us have experienced, go into a retail pharmacy and have to go back four times to fulfill a prescription because, A, they don't have everything they need. They knew you were coming in because the prescription was sent there. They don't necessarily know where the rest of the prescription is. So you end up by having to go back four times to fulfill an order. That just can't be part of the future. Great. And, and you mentioned uh, your uh, the agile supply chain credo. Um, could you talk a little bit about that in terms of uh, Tracelink's product, the um, agile process team? Sure. So, you know, a little bit about the Agile uh, um, supply chain credo. You know, Tracelink, uh, really, Shaber was the catalyst, said, you know, we really need some industry galvanizing North Star and some operating principles that are really important 
technology agnostic and vendor agnostic. This is the, the supply chain credo is not about trace link. It's not about, you know, a particular technology. We subscribe to it, but it's not about us, right? The way it says we, we're talking about the healthcare industry. So we got together, we got input from, you know, multiple external sources like um, Accenture and McKinsey uh, and supply chain leaders like Paul McKenzie from CSL Bearing. And we pulled together a really good generic North Star uh, document that said, hey, this is how we would describe the agility uh, and the guiding principles to get to agility for the, the healthcare industry. So, so what we then did is we now about to record a webinar tomorrow with a bunch of, you know, really global specialist supply chain thought leaders and, and operating uh, supply chain leaders to talk about what are the implications of being agile and following the principles of this credo. So now let's go to the, the APT or the agile process teams capability that we've built at, um, at Tracelink and we're busy implementing. And it fits really well into the five-stage journey. So when you think about it, one of the weaknesses companies have is the ability to quickly sense a disruption in the supply chain, analyze it, pull up multifunctional team together, multi cross-discipline team together and go after resolving that issue and prevent it from impacting the patient. That's a real challenge for a lot of companies. They've been doing it for many years and they use email, they use spreadsheets, they use meetings to try and get that done. Well, APT is really designed as a platform where you can, around an issue, pull together an agile process team, analyze it, document it, collect data about that issue, and go and track the resolution of that issue using the DNP platform and, and manage it away. And so now you have a systematic, standardized approach to managing issues in the supply chain. And that's very exciting because there aren't any other systems. Most companies do this via email and an email is just not a sustainable way of doing it because what happens if you have an issue, you send an email to somebody, you don't know that they're on vacation and they're on vacation for two weeks or on a business trip for two weeks and they don't get the email. What happens? Does that issue sit unaddressed for two weeks? And so having a, a workflow-based platform that really brings all the stakeholders in to resolve the issue in an agile way, in other words, the people, the process, the technology, and the leadership is absolutely breakthrough. And that's why we're so excited about APT capabilities. Well, thank you. Those are all my questions today. Is there anything else that you would want customers to know uh, about the five-stage journey or the end-to-end um, -end supply chain? Sure. I mean, I think there are a couple of amusing nuggets that I would share. One is, you know, if you if you happen to talk to people in operations in a company, you know, they'll tell you, oh, you know, at best we're two or three. We're focused on lots of improvement projects. You talk to the executives, they'll say, oh, no, 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 we clearly are at a high stage four. Right. And the, and the reaction from the from the people in the in the real business will say, yeah, that, you know, they live in cloud cuckoo land. And I think that's that's part of the challenge. Now, really good companies, companies like and they're very public about it. Procter & Gamble, companies like Schneider Electric with Annette Clayton, who used to be the supply chain leader. Dell is now the CEO. Leaders are in their headsets and their mindsets with their teams are trying to figure out what does stage four and stage five look like? 
And how do we then go back into a stage two organization and build those capabilities in our organization? And that's really a very mature way of looking at this transformation journey. I think it's very exciting. And I think it, it, uh, you know, it really puts pressure on us to be able to explain what the value of being in stage five or stage four is. It's not a competition to see you know, how fast we can get to stage four. Because you also can't jump from stage one to stage five. I get that question all the time. Well, why can't we just jump from one to five? No, because every one of the stages, you build a very specific capability and that becomes the foundation for the next stage. So if you try and operate as an end-to-end supply chain, but you can't manage projects, right? The, the critical chain by, by uh, uh, Ellie Goldratt, a famous story about being able to manage projects, you're just not, again, not going to get there. So I think it's really important to see the journey. Second of all, to understand the language, you should be able to walk into a company and tell them and understand exactly what stage of maturity they are. And, and, you know, the flip side of that same discussion is that if you go into a stage five company or stage four company like a Procter & Gamble and Amazon and Apple and talk stage two language to them, they'll tell you, tell you, look, you don't understand our business. Go home because we're way past stage two. The same thing happens when you go into a stage two business and you talk stage four five language. They'll say, yeah, look, we buy it. We get it. But we'll only be there in a couple of years time. So you've got to be really careful to lead them down and tell them the transformation journey story uh, to be able to get the full effect. And, you know, in the beginning, people sort of looked at me cockeyed when I when I put forward the idea that we needed to kind of compartmentalize this journey. But today, you look at all the big consultants, you look at the great work Gartner's doing around the five-stage maturity model, all the big management consultants equate to five stages, all the big vendors talk about the five stages. So I think it's a very exciting development and it's useful for all of us because there isn't a one size fits all or a one stage for everybody. We've got to be able to understand where a company is and what is the best solution to convince them to use. So that's how I would close. I think it's a very exciting subject. Well, great. Well, thank you for joining me here today. Awesome, Kate, and thanks for uh, for interviewing me. I, you know, you and I have done this so many times. You could probably do the five-stage maturity model just as well as I could from the many times that we've co-presented. So thank you for the opportunity.